Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he had found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He said to him, Yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. Gospel of the Lord. From the moment of our conception and the beginning of our lives, we never think of ourselves as being here for a purpose. We are simply aware of the things around us. As time goes on, we become more aware. And then we also become cognizant of the fact that we are here for a reason. Very often, that reason is rather self-serving. It's for our own needs, our pleasures, wealth, power, fame, who knows what, to serve ourselves. Although we are also aware, hopefully, that we are here because we were meant to serve another. We were put here for another reason. Remember as children we were taught, why did God make you? To know, to love, and to serve him in this life, to be happy with him forever in the next. So we were taught. And hopefully we become aware of that too as time goes on. Although very often it's a mixture of things. I'm put here for my own needs, and if God is part of that, that's all right. But we still don't think of ourselves as being put here simply 
because God wants us for himself. And it takes time, if we begin to learn that at all, to learn it. And in that sense, each one of us is given something different to do. No two of us are exactly alike. God didn't create any two of us to do exactly what each one of us is supposed to do. When I was thinking of David's life and death, there was a reflection of Cardinal Newman's that came into my mind, some of you may remember, that really would apply to David in a unique way. And what he said was, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. I am a link in a chain. I am a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth, in my own place, while not intending it, if I do but keep his commandments. Therefore, I will trust him. Whatever I am, I can never be thrown away. If I am in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. He may take my friends away from me. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he is about. You know, most people would never think of David Hamurka as being one of God's great servants. The world would never think that. It would never occur to the world to think of him as being a great servant of God. Because the world judges things differently. But we are meant to serve him in whatever we are doing. And very often the people who seem to be doing the least may be doing the most. We tend to judge service in terms of great things that I can do. That I can accomplish. Visible things the world will know and appreciate. But that one should serve him in a different way doesn't occur to us. The people might serve him in the midst of handicaps, suffering. Well, it doesn't seem quite right to us because we have a problem with suffering anyway, don't we? Remember, suffering and death wasn't God's idea, it was ours. God simply made it redemptive. That's the cross. We all have them in life, don't we? We all have sufferings, some that we have chosen, some that we have caused but have not chosen, and some things that are just given to us as handicaps. They become a cross when we bear them in the name of Christ. 
then they become something different. Then they become something powerful. Then we become something powerful. We think we're powerful when we're doing something in our mind that seems great. But it's not that way with God, as Cardinal Newman suggested. The very opposite often. When we think we are doing nothing because we are hampered and handicapped, we can often be serving him far more powerfully than we would otherwise. Funerals, we can never canonize anyone because that's not the job of us. But we can say that there are certain lives that would reflect the kingdom of God better than others. You know, as I said, the world would never have understood David Hamerka and doesn't to this day. But there are things that David understood better than we do, I believe. For instance, he could appreciate beauty more than most of us can and in simple, ordinary ways. Something he might find very beautiful that we'd long since forgotten or brushed aside, but was still beautiful to him. In that case, he was also able to love in perhaps ways we've forgotten. He could love in a very ordinary way. And it seems, too, that he was someone who was always leaving things behind in the sense that he would have to let go of things in his life. For a long time, of course, most of his life, he was able to get around to work. And gradually, though, that ability left him, as did the ability to, to move. But all that was part of the journey. And David still seemed to have a happiness that was, I think, to most people, somewhat strange and even bewildering, since we don't think in those terms. We think in terms of frustration. David didn't. It always amazed me, too, what a man of faith he was, how much he loved the church, particularly how much he loved the Eucharist. He always wanted the priest to come, and most of all, he wanted the Eucharist to come. I think I have seldom in my life, if ever, seen anyone brighten up or light up as he did when you were bringing the Eucharist to him. That, to him, was what it was all about. He wanted to be here whenever he possibly could, and when, it took a great struggle for him and for Deborah also to get him here. But he wanted to be here. And whatever, what it was, he wanted to be here with the rest of us to celebrate the Eucharist. Those, that was his, I think, greatest joy in some sense. Although he did have some joys too. Even as he was leaving things behind, he had some other gifts, like sandals, for instance. When people thought of David in later years, they almost always thought of David in sandals. Wherever he was, she was. And sometimes I wouldn't even know that he was here until she would shake herself. And then you'd, then you'd know that David was here. Uh, you began to think of the two of them. Uh, something beautiful about an animal, such as sandals, particularly dogs, um, they don't know it. They give us uh, affection, fidelity. Uh, they're grateful. The way we humans would be, but very often aren't. That was a beautiful thing in his life. Something that really very much changed his life, too. Having a companion, such as Sandals. But in any event, David was always moving towards an end. We all are. But David, in particular, in a different way. 
He was united to the sufferings of Christ. I bring this up sometimes at funerals, but particularly in this case, it applies in a unique way. There are a few people who, who are united to the sufferings of Christ throughout their lives at every single moment, as was David Hamerka. The world wouldn't see Christ's sufferings. They just see someone suffering and not understand it. But we see things differently. He was bearing the cross of Christ and therefore performing a work much needed for our world and a great service that you and I perhaps often don't perform and would even choose to reject because we don't want it. He had it. And that was the way he was going to live, and so he did, even without perhaps even thinking about it most of the time. He did. He bore the sufferings of Christ in his own body, as St. Paul said, and did it with great beauty. You know, I think you and I are very often trying to rid ourselves of crosses. In fact, very often if we encounter Christ on the cross, we want to take him down. What is that poem? Uh, For pity's sake, I thought I'll set you free. Nay, take this cross, he said, and follow me. This yoke is easy, this burden light, not hard or grievous if you wear it tight. And so I followed him who could not move, an uncaught captive in the hands of God. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? So I followed him who could not move. David understood that. He, in a sense, could join him in the cross in that way as you and I wouldn't. But he could. But an uncaught captive in the hands of love. He understood that. In fact, now, David, we believe and we trust that you are going to enter into that mystery. The Lord will recognize you, we believe, because you bear his wounds. While the world is running from them, You embrace them, and he will recognize you, we believe and trust, very quickly because you bear his image and have all your life. So you are an uncaught captive in the hands of God, and we pray now, we pray, that you are beginning to experience that freedom that we should all want if we had any sense. But you are beginning to experience that freedom that comes only with the vision of God the vision for which we were created, the freedom and the joy for which we were created. So we commend you to Christ. And we believe, as I've said, he will not fail to recognize you. Hopefully, we can all say the same. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love, and mercy. For David, who in baptism was given the pledge of eternal life, that he may now be admitted to the company of the saints, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our brother who ate the body of Christ, the bread of life, that he may be raised up on the last day, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our deceased relatives and friends, and for all who have helped us, 
that they may have the reward of their goodness. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who have fallen asleep in the hope of rising again, that they may see God face to face, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the family and friends of our brother David, that they may be consoled in their grief by the Lord who wept at the death of his friend Lazarus, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all of us assembled here to worship in faith, that we may be gathered together again in God's kingdom, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. God, our shelter and our strength, You listen in love to the cry of your people. Hear the prayers we offer for our departed brothers and sisters, and in particular for David. Cleanse them of their sins and grant them the fullness of redemption. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. 